Hello, and welcome to the Russia Explained audio brief based on the English language newsletter from Novaya Gazeta. I'm Eilish Hart. Every week, we bring you everything you need to know about Russia, courtesy of a legacy independent newspaper. Here's this week's highlights. The 2024 transfer of power dominates the conversation at Putin's annual press conference. An economist analyzes the Russian economy's last decade, an interview with Russia's journalist of the year, Ivan Golunov, and what makes the Moscow case a turning point for Russia. Want to get the full story? Visit our website, www.novayagazeta.ru, for full-length articles in Russian. Putin's upcoming power transfer explained. It's been weeks since the annual press conference of the Russian president, but the country is still trying to decode Putin's comments about the impending transfer of power at the end of his final term in 2024. Throughout the press conference, the idea that the transfer of power had already begun and that it's being implemented with Putin's indirect involvement was voiced again and again. Meanwhile, Novaya Gazeta's special correspondent, Ilya Azar, sat through the entire four-hour press conference holding a sign that read, Freedom for All Political Prisoners. He wasn't allowed to ask any questions. In response to speculation about 2024, Putin said that he's not against changing the Russian constitution so that the term in a row is removed from the phrase about the two-term presidential limit, which ensures, for now, that the head of state changes at least once every 12 years. This can be seen as a temperature check on public opinion, argues Novaya Gazeta columnist Kirill Martinov. They're saying, why couldn't we further improve the constitution since we're already correcting this term? Couldn't we introduce, for example, rule over the state council? In other words, the authorities are still brainstorming ways to keep Putin in power, and he's weighing in on the plan as well. While over 6 million television viewers tuned in to the Russian president's annual press conference on December 19th, Martinov also points out that many people seem tired of its exhibitionist format. The online response, totaling 45,000 dislikes versus 10,000 likes, foreshadowed the reaction to the president's New Year's address, which resulted in state channels hiding the like counters on their sites. So ends the great era when the country combined television authoritarianism with digital freedom of speech, Martinov writes. Only one of those two systems could survive. A lost decade for the Russian economy explained. At first glance, the Russian economy is approaching the end of 2019 without much success, writes Novaya Gazeta economist Dmitry Prokofiev. Even official data from Rostat, the Federal State Statistics Service, and the Central Bank show that the results in terms of growth and income are poor. In dollar terms, the Russian GDP has not grown at all over the last 10 years. While in 2008, Russia made up 3% of the world economy, now it's no more than 2%, and it's set to be even less going forward. The authorities see the main positive outcomes of the decade in terms of other figures, like the fact that the Russian upper class is getting richer faster. Today, Russia is just behind the United States in terms of its number of official billionaires, with 1% of the country's wealthiest citizens controlling nearly 60% of its material and financial assets. Meanwhile, there has also been the steady growth of the Russian stock market, which has brought skillful investors 73% yields since 2014. 
Prokofiev argues that the modern Russian economy was shaped by the decisions made after the 2008 financial crisis. Rather than handing bankrupt Russian corporations over to foreign investors, the authorities chose to prop up local oligarchs. As a result, the Russian economy has entered the new decade with a different structure based on the coexistence of the ruling elite and a few selected billionaires. In turn, the economic policy that exists today is not conducive to growth, because the real goal is the enrichment of the state apparatus, Prokofiev says. In coming years, the essence of economic policy will be the transfer of property and power to the children of state representatives, he argues. Bring this story to an end. An interview with investigative journalist Ivan Galunov. When police detained investigative journalist Ivan Galunov in Moscow on June 6, 2019, he was taken to the police department and beaten. Law enforcement then searched his apartment, where they allegedly discovered a particularly large quantity of drugs, and he was suddenly facing up to 18 years in prison. But the fabricated case unintentionally sparked an unprecedented level of solidarity, not only among Russian journalists, but also among ordinary citizens rallying together against the lawlessness of police. The results? The case was thrown out and Ivan Golunov became Russia's Journalist of the Year. Here's what Golunov had to say about how his life has changed since his release. The situation the police created aroused public interest in pressure on freedom of speech in Russia. Now, people ask me, come here and tell us about freedom of speech in Russia, how journalists work in authoritarian countries. I'm probably a kind of ambassador, Golunov told Novaya Gazeta. However, the investigation into its case appears to be stalled. Golunov said, Our last meeting with the investigator took place at the end of August. After that, I haven't had any contact with the investigation. Recently, they don't even pick up the phone. Despite his arrest, Golunov remains confident in his investigative work. I'm a journalist, he said. I conduct investigations concerning corruption. It seems to me that the situation I fell into has been an assessment of the quality of my work, if the protagonists of my investigations tried to resolve the problem in this way. Although Golunov is still trying to pursue investigative reporting, the attention he has received since his high-profile arrest has been disruptive. Quote, My life has changed significantly. That is, I cannot sit, concentrate, and work on some theme for an hour. Because something will happen during this hour. Someone will need an interview from me, someone will need me to speak out on something, and I will also receive a few letters. Stupidly, I cannot do what I want to do. For example, my work. End quote. However, Golunov has no plans of altering his career path. He said, I will not justify people's trust by changing my specialization or changing my profession and becoming a human rights defender. This is not very close to me internally. And, in fact, I don't think that I could do this better than what I'm doing now. The Moscow case as a turning point for Russia. Pro-democracy protests in the capital, the controversial city Duma elections, and the Moscow case were among the most important events for Russians in 2019, topped only by the Ukrainian elections and the fire at the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. And while events abroad may have been distractions from the state of affairs at home, the Moscow case showed that all is not well in Russia. We thought that political discontent was the lot of the educated and that the Kremlin's power rested on the slavish support of the uneducated majority, writes Novaya Gazeta journalist Anastasia Miranova. But the Moscow case, whose 31 defendants come from all walks of Russian society, seem to have proven this theory wrong. This political process debunked a number of typical modern myths about the country's population, its moods, and demands for change, Miranova explains. 
The Moscow case captured Russia's attention because it showed us that the country has changed. As such, it was not just the event of the year in Russia. It also marked a turning point, revealing the scale of disorder in the country and popular dissatisfaction with this reality. As Mironova puts it, the protests can no longer be called the domain of Moscow intellectuals. Masons, repairmen, and merchandisers want change in this country because they're living badly and they don't like it. Novaya Gazeta's international reporting highlights. This week's top story from Novaya Gazeta was military expert Pavel Felgenhauer's analysis of the assassination of Iran's top general, Qasem Soleimani. While Felgenhauer draws a comparison with the 1914 assassination of Habsburg Archduke Franz Ferdinand and the start of World War I, he also points out that although Russian interests in the Middle East imply that the countdown to a bigger conflict, quote, seems to be on, Moscow is trying to stay away from the crisis. Novaya Gazeta's team has also recently returned from Hong Kong with a special report on the local pro-democracy uprising, investigating the creative tactics used among street protesters and the inspiration they are drawing from other movements worldwide, like the 2014 Maidan revolution in Ukraine. That was this week's Russia Explained audio brief. Thanks for listening. If you liked our brief, share, rate, and subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a comment too, and help us to make the audio brief better. To keep up with Novaya Gazeta's reporting, visit our website www.novayagazeta.ru and search Russia Explained. Until next time.